This episode of Unsalvageable is brought to you by Biker's Edge. Folks, the sun is shining, the trails are in mint condition, and bike season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get geared up and ready to ride than the Biker's Edge in Kaysville, Utah. And right now, Biker's Edge is currently having their biggest demo mountain bike sale of the year, where you can save anywhere from 25 to 40% off any of their slightly used demo bikes from some of the best brands on the planet. We're talking Santa Cruz, Rocky Mountain, Revel, Orbea, and more. Plus, Biker's Edge will throw in a free fitting and setup as well as their lifetime adjustment program for free with the purchase of your new bike. That includes free tune-ups for the first year and a free tune-up every winter. So your bike can stay in tip-top condition all year round. Don't know what to buy? Stop on into the shop and take one of these bikes out for a spin or check out their YouTube channel where they do in-depth professional reviews on all of the bikes that they have in stock. So go check out the Biker's Edge today at 232 Main Street in Kaysville or visit them online at bebikes.com. But hurry, these bikes at these prices won't last long. What have you been doing all day, Greg? Do you like penis colada? Oh my God. And getting lots of brain. you've been writing songs you're a songwriter you're you're an accomplished singer songwriter yeah penis colada colada. it's the off season all right three two one And welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Do you like penis coladas? <laughs> Whom's among us? No. Whom's among us? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's summer. It's hot outside. Need something to cool off. Is it raining right now? No, it's like sunshiny and beautiful. Never never trust the weather report in Utah. You've been here long enough it's to know not, that. It's not the weather report. I opened Pokemon Go, and in that, it's raining. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's raining somewhere else other than my house, but... Yeah. This has been your re- weather report on Unsoundable. <laughs> it's August 2nd, we- and no one gives a <laughs> about basketball. Yeah. There's really not a lot for us to talk about. <laughs> Um, I spent the last couple of weeks in California and on the Oregon coast. Where in the Oregon coast did you go? Well, you went to Gold Beach and, uh, Brookings. Beautiful. It was beautiful. It was great. I love it out there. Um, my annual trip with my six best friends from back home. Uh, we all go on a trip every year together and it's just a bunch of, Women in their late 30s, just being women in their late 30s. <laughs> Knitting. <laughs> yeah. Watching Vanderpump. Uh, it's sometimes more debaucherous than that. Than I mean, knitting, I remember your but... Instagram pictures last year of you dressing like a wench. Yeah, well, I was the queen. Oh. Uh, and this year, because we do a murder mystery. Oh, that's fun. 
every year. That's yeah. very late 30s women and, thing to do. Yeah, and we, well, we've we been doing it since we were, like, in our 20s. <laughs> so many girl dinners. Yeah, we get together, we make dinner, and we do a murder mystery, and we dress up, and we get really hard into the theme of the murder mystery. This year it was, like, disco 70s mm. theme. And I was, like, a Charlie Angels-type detective this oh, year. Oh, that. Hell yeah. Uh, it was very fun. It was great. My best friend Krista always... Uh, uh, takes the male character from the murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And this year her character's name was Dawn Shaft. And man, did she look like a 70s porn producer in her costume. It was I'm incredible. Sure she's a big fan of the colada. She loves a penis colada. <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional uh, yeah. podcast. I am a professional woman with a real job. <laughs> I pay. I have my real signature on my real tax return. Yes. Okay. Utah Jazz. Pivoting. <laughs> Pivoting. Uh, Greg posited a question to me a few weeks ago. Go ahead. I, uh, wanna, yeah, I was, you know, yeah. just especially after some of the performances we saw in Summer League that were certainly intriguing and eyebrow raising. Um, yes. Two people in particular, Lucas Omanich and Keynote George. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, my first question is, like, did Luca do enough to solidify his spot on this roster? Because I remember you rewind the tape back a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how, like, he's probably on the chopping block, and he really needs to show out in Summer League. And he did just that. Yeah, he was really good. He was good. really, really good. And, like, he's so intriguing and, like can just do a little bit of everything and he plays really hard and like just seems like that kind of connective tissue guy who can help your team. But yeah. do the Jazz have too many front court players? Yeah. And then to that point, do they have too many guys competing for the one two spots? Yeah. And yeah, on the other hand, you have four point guards on this roster right now with Talon Horton Tucker, Keynote George Chris Dunn and Colin Sexton. And first of all, like who starts, who comes off the bench, who's the odd man out? Like you only have so many minutes per game. And I know the jazz are all about developing right now and, and creating that core. So how do you go about that moving forward? Yeah. Great questions real quick before I answer. Uh, the 76ers re-signed Montrez Harrell, uh, and it was just reported that he has a torn ACL and meniscus. Damn. So. Congratulations, Paul Reed. Actually, yeah. Congratulations, Paul Reed. <laughs> Paul Reed and Mo Bamba are going to get a lot of minutes this year. That's a bummer for Trez. I like Trez. Yeah, me too. I think that Trez, I mean, limited, but if, <laughs> if you want an energy guy... You know, you could do a hell of a lot Shums. worse. Shums originally tweeted he torn his MCL and meniscus, but then he 
deleted it, retweeted ACL. Man, that makes that's a difference. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's he's not going to play this season. Yeah. Um. All right. To your point, the jazz questions. There's a couple of ways that I've been thinking about this lately, and there's the there's the answer of like what the jazz what I think the jazz should do or what is probably more realistic to happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, if I'm the jazz, then I start Chris Dunn at point because I think he's the best point guard on the team. I, I can't um, disagree with that. Yeah. And so I would start Lowry, Jordan, John Collins, Chris Dunn, Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. That would be my starting five. Um, but you have to wonder and also, to your point, you said the Jazz have four point guards. I would argue Taylor Horton Tucker is not a point guard. I would I would agree, too, but he was the Jazz's yeah. starting point guard for yeah. a lot of games last season. Yeah. And I understand um, that's when the Jazz were, like, making a conscious effort to circle the drain. Right. But, nonetheless, he was – there was the PG initials next to his name on the starting uh, roster – night in and night out last season. Right. And so I think that with him on the roster, you have to wonder, I just, I can't imagine a world in which anybody in the jazz front office is looking at Taylor and is like, yeah, he's the guy we want. There's no way. Right. No, that there's too many smart people for that. But I think that there are plenty of people within the jazz front office that are like, well, if we try to flip him and get something for him before the deadline, instead of just letting him expire, like maybe we could do that. So like you might up end up in a situation where like Talon is playing a lot of point. Chris Dunn might, maybe is playing a bit. And we have to remember that Keontae just sprained his ankle, which is going to set back his off season workouts, mm-hmm. which is probably going to set back his training camp a little bit. And so I imagine Keontae probably taking a sort of similar path as like Ochai did last that year. That makes sense. Where it kind of kind of starts off like playing some G League minutes and getting some minutes here and there, and then let's see what the opportunities are later in the season. If you guys, if they end up flipping Talon, mm-hmm. and then uh, or if they're just like, all right, we weren't able to flip him for anything, we weren't able to trade him, then maybe they just like kind of stop playing him after the trade deadline because they're like, well, this isn't the future, we're going to let him expire anyway, so who cares, sure. right? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it goes one of two ways there, where uh, they try to play THT to raise his value, right? To try to flip him at the deadline, and then if there aren't buyers at the deadline, well, expiring contract, you know. Better luck next season, kid. But we've got we've got a kid in the pipeline. We're pretty high on, and we're gonna go with him. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you can't raise his value, like an expiring deal could also be used in a trade. That you know, if if another team is looking to kind of offload salary sure. for next season, um, so there's a lot of possibilities with Taylor. I just, I mean, maybe it's unfair. I don't. I don't think it is. Maybe it's unfair for me to have given up on Talon at this point, but I just like, I don't see he's, it. I don't believe it. He's not good. He's, I just don't think that he has like the self-awareness to do what needs to be done to become a point guard in this league. And 
he's not a good enough shooter to be a shooting guard in this league. Yeah. So, like, I just don't know where he fits in today's game. Yeah, it was really concerning uh, listening to his exit interviews and really just, like, talking himself up and, you know, basically saying, I don't think I take bad shots, among among other yeah. things. Like, that was really eye-opening to me because, like, the numbers don't lie. As well as, like, his shot selection doesn't pass the eye test. Right, and I think... I mean, I think that there was a lot of fear in the free agent market this year. And so there were a lot of guys that were picking up their options. And so I don't think we really know kind of what the market was for him. Because I think, I mean, just in the case of two Rich Paul clients in Jordan Clarkson and Taylor Horton Tucker, like they both opted in. Right. And so So we kind of, right. Uh, And, um, Josh Hart opted in. Right. Like, there a lot of guys that you expected to kind of see what was on the market, they did not. And so there was the, yeah, free agent market was very strange this season. Anyways, getting back to the Jazz, um, I think that the front court is a little bit more interesting. Um, they have so many guys and so many guys who can play. Yeah. Right. And so I'm, I'm wondering what they do with cuz you've got Kelly Olenek, John Collins uh Lowry I don't necessarily count in this because he's obviously like the starter and he's he plays mostly at the 3 anyways right. and so I don't I'm not really considering that but you've got Kelly, John Collins, Walker Kessler, Taylor Hendricks Luka Shamanich. And, uh, yeah, and then at the five, you've got Omer. Oh, yeah. Omer, you're at seven. So, yeah, that's that's a lot. It's a lot, and it's dudes who can play. Right. And I think that Taylor Hendricks, I think you have to remember, Walker Kessler being the starting five first of all, didn't happen right at the beginning of the season. I think right. a, a lot of people will forget that like he came off the bench for a good portion of the season. Um, and also that the fact that he ended up in the starting rotation, that's not a normal 22nd pick rookie right. trajectory, right? And so, and I understand that Taylor Hendricks is the number nine pick and it's a little bit different, but... He, that guy needs to gain some strength. Mm-hmm. He has to, because if he's going to be playing at the four and he's going to pop out, uh, and he's going to maybe play like stretch five or however they're going to end up using him, right? Like he just needs to be able to battle with some bigger guys that are going to yeah. be out there. You think that Taylor Hendricks right now can go one on one with like Aaron Gordon or LeBron? Yeah, LeBron. <laughs> well, I mean, right? Is there like, anybody who could do that? Let's be honest. Right, like that. That's. And that's the kind of guys that he's going to be going yes, against. Yes, absolutely. And part of the reason that you like Taylor Hendricks so much is because of his defensive upside mm-hmm. and because of like kind of that raw talent that he has on the defensive end anyways. You already know that he can shoot the ball. So like that's not something you have to worry about. But like what you do have to worry about is like how is he going to grow into being an NBA defender versus what he did in college. Right. And so when we look at sort of the logjam at that position – the way that I look at it is like, okay, well, I'm not really going to consider Taylor in this, 
because they're going to need to bring him along. And so the 23-24 season, they can play him off the bench a few minutes a night. Maybe some stuff happens at the trade deadline. For the future beyond this season, though, I would imagine you are guaranteed to have Walker on the on the roster. Kelly Olenek is not going to be around forever. No. Uh, John Collins, you're kind of seeing what he's got going on for the next couple of years, really. like John Collins is a little bit of an experiment because he had a great year in Atlanta, and then he's had two not really great years. Yeah. And a lot of that is to do with injury. And, uh, and there were so many... Like, we talked with Lauren from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a bit with the episode that she was on, where you have to imagine that like being in trade rumors every year, basically every week, and feeling like the team doesn't want you there, like that's going to affect how you play. Sure. And we also know that like Atlantic was a, or Atlanta was, was an incredibly toxic situation, and that's going to have an effect on guys as well. And in, in, in addition to it being toxic... The the roster didn't make sense. No, it did not. It was a mess. Right, and so it's hard to kind of like find your niche, find your role. I think it's a little. It's going to be a little bit more defined uh, with the Jazz, but again, that's going to take some time to iron out. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be injuries during the season, and so when there are, that'll give Taylor a little bit more time to come in and play some more spot minutes and build some reps against actual NBA guys, but. I think that where the questions are, are I think obviously you're going to play Kelly at the five some. And so is Omer Yurt seven just some insurance maybe at the five uh, to have another guy that can be a little bit more of a rim runner uh-huh. like Walker. So maybe he doesn't, he's kind of, you know, third string. And then, uh, yeah, this is a huge year for Luka Shamanich. Like, he had a really good Summer League, as you said, and I can tell you from talking to Will Hardy uh, at Summer League and some of the front office guys, they like Luca. He's and, There's a lot to like about the kid. Yeah, they really like him. Uh, I've been told that, like, to fully expect for Luca to be on the roster when the season good. starts. He should be. I think he earned himself a roster spot. Yeah. And beyond that, it's basically going to be up to him. Like he's going to have to battle guys mm-hmm. and it's, he might have to like wait for opportunity, right? Like he might have to wait for someone to get hurt mm-hmm. to come in and then do something special with the minutes that he gets. Do you think he like inevitably, I don't know, takes the minutes of someone like Simone Fontecchio? I mean, anyone can at yeah. this point. And, I, but I think I that's think like that, a logical like, next leap for him. Right. Something like that kind of a role. Because if I had to choose right now between Simone Fontecchio and Luka Samanich, I'm taking Luka. Yeah, 100%. I think he's the better yeah. he's the better overall player. He's a better scorer. He's a better rebounder, better defender. Like yeah. I would rather I have Luka point, on my team. Yeah, and to your point, I think that Luka sees that. Uh-huh. Because... I think that he sees the moves that were happening this summer. He sees the log jam at the 4-5 situation. And so he even said, when we talked to him before Summer League, he was like, 
yeah, I've been trying to expand my game and play a little bit more outside like Lowry. If I can play a little bit more like Lowry, uh-huh. like then then we're talking about an interesting situation where maybe Luca is actually in the rotation at three yeah, the backup rather three. than at yeah. four. Right. Yeah. Which is a much better place for him to be in. And if he can expand his game, I think the biggest problem that he has there is that his handle's not good. Right. And so just getting him to learn to control the ball a little bit more so that he can kind of, you know, attack closeouts and that sort of thing on the outside. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he needs to grow, but we're still talking about a guy who's like really young and I I love his story also. Like him being a guy who basically was waived by the Spurs and told like, you know what, you just don't have the right attitude. Mm-hmm. He was drafted uh, you know, high prospect and then he came in and he thought he was just gonna like be in the NBA. Right. And then for him to like turn around and admit and be like, Yeah, I was immature. I took things for granted, and now I know that I can't take it for granted at all. And he constantly is talking about how doesn't matter what the contract looks like, doesn't matter what my opportunity is. He's like, I, I want to be playing basketball, and so I would be doing this if I was at home with no contract and no money. Mm-hmm. I would be I would be doing this work. And so I like the attitude. The Jazz love his length. They love his body structure. And so I think that they're really willing to give him a chance. And importantly with him, he's got two more trigger dates for guarantees in his contract. One that comes uh, right before the season starts. And so we should expect for him to get that. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is in January. And so I think that there's there's a period there where between the start of the season and January he kind of has to prove that he needs to get that last guarantee to stay on the roster for the rest of the season. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I do have just one comment kind of hypothetical about what we just went over and then a question for you. And to just rewind the tape and talk about the, you know, the John, John Collins hypothetical, you know, and like Mm -hmm. the John Collins, uh, kind of experiment that we're going through right now it would not surprise me at all and danny ainge has a history of this of bringing guys in and you know rehabbing their image and answering the questions about their game and then flipping them uh i think there's there's it's certainly not out of the the realm of possibility that john collins is only here until the trade deadline I mean, they barely gave up anything for right. him, and you could. F- so it's not like they're they they have a bunch invested in this. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I just have a hard time believing the Jazz aren't going to be a player at the trade deadline. They know that they need to get better in order to compete, and they have a treasure trove of assets and expiring contracts and the like. That makes them incredibly attractive to teams who are either trying to make a trade for a disgruntled star or somebody they don't want on the roster who doesn't fit or dump salary. Yep. So I have a I, yeah. I just I have a hard time thinking the jazz the jazz's phone will be ringing off the hook at the trade deadline, you know, and if you're trying to go out and get a star, let's, you know, so, somebody is not happy where they're at. Uh, that could be a big time salary filler. And if he's playing well, like he has in the past, well, that's an intriguing player too. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about this before the season ended where it was like, what do the jazz need? Like the jazz, you know, all across the roster, like roster needs is one thing, but another thing they need is they need contracts. Yes. They need salary because they had a bunch of guys that were on just like minimums or rookie deals 
And so getting John Collins on the roster and then along with Jordan Clarkson's extension, like that gives them two nice salary pieces Mm -hmm. if they were going to make a trade for kind of a larger, bigger star. And I think that the fact that they've got them both beyond this year means that they the Jazz have so much leverage in the situation because they can be patient. Yep. Like the the phone is absolutely ringing off the hook. Every every player who's available in the NBA, like there's not a chance that the Jazz don't get a call about yeah. it. Yeah. And That's exciting, man. But they also have like and the luxury of being able to be like, "No, we can hold off. We'll wait till next year." Yeah. Like, I love that they have I love that. that they didn't bite for Dame. You know, yeah. and they didn't go all in. As much as I like, listen, Dame Hive over here, but as yeah. we discussed, he doesn't he doesn't fit the timeline, and I'm not sure you want to be paying a guy who's 36 years old 65 million dollars. Yeah, like, and how many of your assets are you willing to give up for a window of two right. years? Which I still, again, as much as I love Dame, you put Dame on this team, they still don't win a title. Yeah, that's and that's the problem is. We, the Jazz still haven't figured out exactly who the surrounding players yes, are. Yes, they're still looking for that connective tissue. I think they've got. Right. I think they've got a decent core going on with Lowry and Walker Kessler and Ochai, and I have to imagine uh, Keontae George is part of that conversation. Taylor yeah. Hendricks moving forward. We'll see what happens with John Collins. I don't know. It also, like on the other hand, of like. If he rehabs and he's able to play like he has in the past, maybe that's a guy who really does affect affect winning. I will say that on paper, a Walker, Kessler, John Collins, Lowry, Markin in front court, incredibly intriguing, wildly versatile. Yeah, with backups like Taylor Hendricks and yeah, (laughs) and Lucas Omenich and and Kelly Olynyk. Like that's that's really really intriguing. And yes, I mean, I think overall the Jazz are in a really good position. They've got guys up and down this roster. You know, they've got a star. They've got a guy who at one point put up 20 and 10 in his career. Uh, You know, Jordan Clarkson is coming off one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best season of his career. Like, yeah, there's a lot you know, Chris Dunn completely changed who he was as a player. I know. Uh, the way Keontae George played in Summer League has to have you excited. Like, I don't, again, yeah. I don't think that this team is really ready to make big waves yet. But I, I said right. this, I, I went on the Clutch Talk podcast uh, a couple weeks ago to uh, preview the, the Utah Jazz's season. And I said, this team kind of is starting to remind me of that eight-seed Memphis Grizzlies team that the Jazz right. beat in the playoffs a few years ago where you could see like, oh, they're not quite there, but... But it's all but coming together. you can together. see the foundation. Like, Jaws really, really yeah. good. Triple J's really, really good. They've got a bench. They're starting to, you know, they're starting to get talent up and down this roster, and it's coming together. And like, I think that's where the Jazz are. And like, I, I truly believe that this team's, I would say, this team's floor is a 500 team. Yeah, and I think that. You know, one of the things that the, is the most interesting to me going into this season, two things. One is just what happens with Colin Sexton. Yeah, that's very intriguing. I I don't know 
where the Jazz want to use him. I mean, I've heard a lot of kind of talk and chatter around like the idea of him being a sixth man or um, in whatever it is, but like none of that has been like stated and obvious by any of the people that yeah. I've talked to. Does he become the Jazz's and, new Jordan Clarkson? Right, because Jordan Clarkson has now adapted his game and he's a playmaker. And he's a playmaker <laughs> and he's a starter. Right. Um, it, it's, I just don't know. And like, he's one of the guys where it's like, he has a really interesting game and he's really willing to adapt, but I don't know if he's going to be able to adapt. Sure. Um, and so is that a guy that you put into a trade or is he someone that you try to build with and try to have a, you know, cause Colin Sexton coming off your bench and being able to score 25 is not a bad no, thing. No, it's not right? a bad thing at all. And like, that's what I mean. The jazz seem like they're, they're in the process of just gaining this embarrassment of riches. And while right. I don't think they're, they're there and there, there needs time for these players to develop and for chemistry and cohesion to happen. You can see you can see the particles floating in the air, you know. Right. You can see the you can see the, the protons and the neutrons going around the nucleus. There's yeah. there's some And that's there's, the there's, that's the second thing that I'm really excited about is like what you're talking about like all these pieces coming together is how much of it is actually sustainable, uh-huh. right? Like that's what's really intriguing to me going into the season is like, well, we saw a really good year out of Walker Kessler and like we saw really good flashes out of Keontae George in Summer League. And we saw Chris Dunn have, you know, a short stretch where it looks like he's absolutely revamped his game. How much of that can last an entire right. is year? Is that now? is that sustainable through 82 games? Right. Like can these players prove that that's actually who they are rather than just a flash that we saw last yeah. season? And so, and I think that the Jazz need that information too, because I don't think any of them want to make decisions based on what Keontae George did in Summer League or what we saw in 40 games of Chris Dunn or what we saw for like however many starts that Walker Kessler did. They don't want to make decisions based on that sample size. What they want is to see like sustained success from individual players so that they know how to fill in the gaps on the roster in between Mm -hmm. them. Speaking of development, we've already talked about how Taylor Hendricks needs to get stronger uh, if he's going to compete. Would it surprise you, much like you, you talked about with Keontae, to see him get reps in the G League? Taylor? No, not at yeah. all. I mean, I think that it would surprise me a little bit more, but like, if the Jazz sent Taylor down to get G League reps, like, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, yeah. that's crazy. I'd be like, oh, actually, this is probably a really good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, just, just for the record. I think it would be good I mean, for him. The... Uh, Ochai was the 14th overall pick. Right. They sent him to the G. Like, it's not, it's not crack, about the height. He didn't crack the roster until after the All-Star break. Yeah. Like, the, the, especially Will Hardy, he really, really likes giving guys reps no matter how they come. Yeah. That's why he had Ochai and Luka both playing in Summer League when, like, other teams might not have played them after what they were able to do or however many years they've mm-hmm. been in here. Uh, Micah Potter, too. That was his third year playing yep. in Summer League. But Will Hardy is like, you need to play to be able to get better. Yeah. And so if he sees opportunities for these guys to play in the G League to get some reps, he's going to send them down. That. Like, yeah. And there, there are all, I think that there are good arguments that other teams could make where there's arguments that 
G League reps are not NBA reps, and so you're not going to get as good playing down there. Sure, that's arguable. There's arguments to be made, like, what if they get injured? Look at what Doak did. He had two horrible ankle injuries in the G League. But Doak was never going to develop anyway. Right. And so you've you've got these other arguments. It's like, what if they get injured? Yeah, it could happen on the NBA court, too. Like, the guys need to play. Right. And it's better than having them kind of sit and rot on the roster, basically, and watching from the bench every day. And, like, I know that these guys get into the gym, the guys that don't play as often, they get into the gym and they play threes and fives as much as they can on game days, before games, after games, on uh, practice days and stuff. And so they do get, like, some run, but it's different when there's a game clock running. Sure. And whether that's in the G League or the NBA, like, I love it. I like the approach. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. It wouldn't surprise me, and I would welcome it. And like again, it's going to be hard for Taylor to crack this rotation. There are a lot of guys in that front court who can really, really play, and there are lots of worse things than getting reps in the G League, you know, and playing actual basketball. Yeah, and I also, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, first of all, I fully expect for Bryce Sensabaugh to play some G League yep. games, like. Absolutely fully expect it, but if you're looking for a guy to come in and play some minutes at the two and just make some shots, my God, does he interest I'm, me. I'm really I'm excited for Bryce Sensabaugh. I'm really I'm bummed really out that high. he wasn't able to play in Summer League because that dude, yeah. I mean, you have to be a bit worried about his knee. 100% you're worried about his knee. If if the stars align and he's able to go... That's a guy who's going to be able to get you buckets. Listen, there there is a, a there's a laundry list of NBA players who had injury concerns throughout the year. Steph Curry, yep, had surgery on his ankle twice. I thought he was done. I never I thought ev- that I thought when he like after that second surgery I was like is is this ever is this guy ever going to pan out? Because it looks like we dubbed it the glass ankle. Yeah, it like, looked like his ankle was made out of wet spaghetti noodles. Yeah, and and that and that's not me saying the Bryce sense, but I'm just saying like guys can have a lot of injuries and be concerned. Joel Embiid, like the yeah, like there's plenty of examples of them. Uh, having injury concerns and then still making something out of their career and like. His body's great. His frame, like the shoulders are, are wide. We love, a, we love a wide shoulder. I love a wide shoulder. He has the the body to become a thick jack king. Yes. And what who whom's among us doesn't I, love that? <laughs> God, uh, can it just be October? Not only because it's hundred and two outside every day right now. <laughs> yeah. But I just need I need cooler weather and I need basketball. Every year, I'm like, at the end of the basketball season, I'm like, oh, okay, I need a break. This is good. I need some time. And then August rolls around, and I'm like, this is the dumbest part of the, the year. Dumbest. Let's just get it going. The, <laughs> Let's get it the going. The dumbest. I mean, let me go on record and say you should be watching the WNBA right now. It's very, very good. And, like, especially Absolutely. if you need, like, a basketball fix. Like, that's – you could do a hell of a lot worse. You can do a hell of a lot like, worse. And and just for the record, no, you can't beat a WNBA player. You can't do it. Shut no, up. You can't. No, they will cook no, there you. There are plenty. There are plenty of NBA players who cannot beat WNBA Rotisserie, players. Rotisserie, saute, flambe, spit roast, whatever cooking style you prefer, 
that is what will happen to you while playing against a WNBA player. Nonetheless, uh, I digress. Watch the WNBA. Yeah, man, they there's some there's some cool going on in the WNBA. It's awesome. that, yeah, they're cool. Uh, what else do we have? Do we have anything else? I think that's that's about it. Should we? I mean, it's the dog days. Should we? Should we do a it mailbag next days. week? We should send, do a send, your, send whatever questions you want. It doesn't even have to be basketball. You're talking about two, no, send us- two people in, in sustained loving relationships. If you want relationship advice, <laughs> holler at us. You- oh, my God. I would love yes, to give relationship advice. Can we please? <laughs> I would love. Yeah, send, me, send us your love questions. Send us your basketball questions, your food questions. Don't send Sarah <laughs> your movie questions. She hasn't seen anything. <laughs> I'm gonna go see Oppenheimer this week. I need to. I I haven't seen Oppen. I need to see the Barbenheimer. It's gonna happen sometime this week. But absolutely, been out of t- con- I've been on solo dad duty. Do you know how hard it is to go see movies <laughs> when you're a single parent? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have that excuse. I don't have any children, and I still have not seen any movies. Well, I mean, you have dog pictures to look at. I do have a lot of dog videos to look at. Send me your dog questions. Come meet my dog already, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Okay, I'm going to come meet your dog. I'm going to see Oppenheimer, and we're going to answer mailbag questions. All right. That's this was, the plan for the week. This was good. This was delightful. I love that you t- you messaged us like three minutes before we went live with, uh, what are we going to talk about? And look at this. <laughs> we're about to hit the 36-minute we mark, folks. That... Is professional podcasting. Yeah, I did. I sent Greg a message and I was like, uh. <laughs> it's August 2nd. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited about a mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah. Please, please send all types of questions. Whatever you want. I don't care. Whatever you want. Remember, like the tagline for this show is we don't stick to sports. We absolutely do so- not. And. Listen, if you're the type of person that doesn't want to hear relationship advice from Sarah Todd and Greg Foster, the perfect I've got episode some really for bad you news. to skip. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's going to do it. We're going to put a bow on it. You guys know what to do rate, bing, review, bing, subscribe, bong, download, do all those things. Uh, please leave us, leave us five star reviews. Write a review. It really, really helps the show. All of those iTunes and Spotify ratings and everything, they really, really help. So please do that. And you can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow our producer, Matt, if you would want to, I guess. Matt, did you go see Smashing Pumpkins the other day? Regretfully, no. <laughs> Good. More like Billy Boredom. Um, And we will talk to you next time. Penis (laughs) Colada.